If you want to remain standing now as we read God's good word together, these words from the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Will you read aloud with me? The Lord spoke to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one man from each ancestral tribe, each a chief among them. So Moses sent them out from the Paran Desert according to the Lord's command. All the men were leaders among the Israelites. When Moses sent them out to explore the land of Canaan, he said to them, Go up there into the arid southern plain and into the mountains. You must inspect the land. What is it like? Are the people who live in it strong or weak, few or many? They went up and explored the land. They returned from exploring the land after 40 days. They started a rumor about the land that they had explored, telling the Israelites, The land that we crossed over to explore is a land that devours its residents. All the people we saw in it are huge men. We saw there the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers to them, and that's how we appeared to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, we are in a new sermon series uh, called Will You Be My Neighbor? This is the second week of our series, and we've been learning about what we call the art of neighboring. Uh, How to be a neighbor, not just to the world. Right? We talked last week about uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, how many times we try to apply this term neighbor to everyone. We try to apply it to the whole world. And in fact, when we end up trying to love the entire world, what we end up doing is loving no one. And so last week we talked about getting to know our literal neighbors, getting to know those people that live right around us. And maybe what we found last week was that we really don't know them very well. If you're like me, you you really uh, can't name too many names of your neighbors around you, and and it's really hard to do what Jesus calls us to do. It's really hard to live out the great commandment, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. It's really hard to love our neighbor if we don't actually know their name. And so what we were challenged to do last week was to get to know their name. What does that sound like to you, getting to know your neighbors? Do you look at it with some excitement or with some fret, with some worry? Maybe if you're an extrovert, you, you really get excited about meeting new people, right? Maybe you can walk into a room and, 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 and there's just all these people that you don't know and you get really excited about that. Like, all right, I get, I get to meet new people. I get to hear new stories and, and learn new names and Maybe if you're not so much an extrovert, maybe if you're an introvert, that, that getting to know your neighbor part can give you some fear, can give you some worry. So tonight I want to talk a little bit about that fear. Because I think we were all taught to fear, right? Especially to fear those around us, to fear our neighbors. And, and, and maybe you're like me, and, and you don't necessarily fear your neighbors, but you fear the idea of your neighbors, Right? Because we haven't really gotten to know the people who live around us, we start to make up these stories about them. And then we start to actually fear those stories. Right? Maybe there's that, um, you know, that, that man who, who lives alone, and, and maybe he gives you just you know, kind of a strange feeling, and, and, and you start to fear him, that person, the idea of him. Maybe there are those neighborhood kids that are about the same age as your kids, and, and, and you know that they come from a family that doesn't exactly share your values. Right? They know they parent just a little bit differently than you do, and it starts to give you some fear. It starts to give you some anxiety, right? 
Maybe there's that, that house that, that, that's abandoned, and, and, and it seems abandoned, but there seem to be people in it, and, and, and maybe the grass grows a little higher, and you don't see a car around it very often, and, and what we start to do is we start to fear that house, or maybe there's that family with drama, right? Maybe you can hear them arguing uh, down the street or maybe next door, and, and, and you don't really want to get involved. You, you don't really want to, you know, put your, your, you don't really want to get involved in their business, and so you, you start to fear them maybe. Or maybe you're afraid of people getting too close. Maybe you're afraid of people actually seeing those things that you've been hiding from other people. Maybe you're afraid if you invite them in that they might actually meddle in your life, that they might actually want to get involved, they might even want to help. And so we want to pull that ripcord and, and, and we become afraid. We become afraid and we don't really want to talk to our neighbors. Uh, one of my earliest memories is actually uh, moving to the house that I grew up in. Um, I was about four or five years old, and, and when we uh, moved into the house, we threw a big party um, at our house and invited all of our family over uh, who had kind of helped us move. And, and so we were in this house and having this big party, and I, I went out in the backyard, and, and I saw my neighbor there for the first time. Her name was Cherish, and uh, she was about the same age as I was. And I'll never forget the first time I met her. Uh, because she was standing on the other side of the fence, and she was kind of peeking through, and I went up and I talked to her, and, and, and I said, you know, hello, and I said, you know, do you live here? And she said, yes, and this fence is mine. <laughs> you know, I think we share this fence, actually. It, it goes right between, I said, no, this fence is my fence. And, uh, you know, four or five years old, you don't really have, like, logic going on in your mind, right? And so I was just like, nuh-uh, this is my fence, we argued about that for an hour outside, arguing about whose fence that was. And, and, and you might chuckle and laugh at that, but you've had sillier arguments, right? I mean, we all have those arguments, and, and, and we don't want to get involved with our neighbor because there's things that we just don't want to talk about. We don't want to argue about with our neighbors. We are taught to fear our neighbors. We're not only taught to fear our neighbors. We're taught to fear those people around us, anybody around us. I have a video that actually illustrates this fear. Let's watch this together. Okay, how about some lunch? You hungry? Yeah. Me too. This is Mark with Broadview Security. Is everything okay? No, someone just tried to break in. I'm sending help right now. Thank you. Brinks Home Security is now Broadview Security. Call 1-800. Okay, so, so that scenario would scare anybody, right? If anybody came bursting in your front door. But this commercial wants you to think that somebody's always watching. Right? Somebody is always peering through your backyard fence. Somebody's always getting ready to come in your front door, even in the middle of the day. Friends, this is not a way to live your life. We, we cannot live in constant fear of everyone around us. In fact, what we see is God calling us to live something better. That, that fear is not what God would have for our lives. Do you hear that? that? That fear is not what God would have for your lives. 
We learned this in the book of Numbers, the story that we read just a little while ago. Just to give you a little bit of backstory, uh, the, uh, the first five books of the Old Testament uh, is called the Torah, right? Um, which can mean law or, or, or teaching. And so what we read in the Torah is the story of the Hebrew people. And the story of the Hebrew people uh, explains that they were slaves in Egypt. Once upon a time, that they were slaves in Egypt for centuries. And, and they were slaves and they cried out to God that he would liberate them. And so finally God called Moses. God called Moses and he said, Moses, go to my people. I've heard their cries in Egypt. Go to my people and, and, and free them and lead them, Moses. Lead them to a land that I will show you. A land that I have laid out for them. A land that is plentiful. A land that has more than enough for them. A land flowing with milk and honey. Moses, go. Liberate my people and lead them to this promised land. And so Moses does, and he goes into Egypt, and he liberates the people uh, with God's power. He brings the Hebrews out of Egypt, across the desert, and to the land that God has promised them. God has promised them this land, and they get just to the border of it. They, they get just to the border, and what do they do? They, they start to become afraid. They start to fear what they don't know. They start to fear what's in the promised land. They know that people live in this land. They know that God has promises to them, but, but that there are people in that land, and so they pick spies. And the Bible tells us that they picked 12 spies, one for each of the tribe of Israel. And they get these 12 spies, and they send them into the land and tell them to report back to them what they see. And, and, and what do the people see in it but the land that God has promised them? In fact, just as what God said, this is a land that is plentiful. There, there is more than enough food in this land for everyone, and there's more than enough space. And there, this is the land that God has shown us. And then on their way back to report what they have seen, they start to become afraid. They start to become afraid. They, they think to themselves, well, if, if we tell the Hebrew people what we have seen, they'll want to go in. And that'll, that'll mean war. That might even mean famine. That, that'll mean something different than what we've known. They start to become afraid, and so they come back and they lie. They lie about what they've seen there. And they say, these are giants that live in this land. These are the Nephilim. These are, these, these, these are ancient folktales about these giants who used to live long ago. These these Nephilim, these, these giant people live there. And in fact, we look like grasshoppers to them. And, and in fact, they're cannibals. They eat everybody in their land. We, we can't go in there. See, these Hebrew people have led everything about their entire life has led to this very moment. There, there's slavery in Egypt, all the pain and, and suffering that they experienced in that place. And, and Moses coming in and, and, and experiencing all of these plagues and all of this majesty that God has performed. And they see all of these things and, and then they get to the land that God has promised them and they lie. All because they were afraid. They were afraid of what they didn't know. Caleb, one of the spies, speaks up. And he says, no, 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 God promised us this land. I think we can do it. I think if we just forge ahead, we can get into this land and God will take care of us. But the people don't listen to Caleb. In fact, the people complain to Moses and ask Moses, did you bring us out here just to kill us, Moses? We were better back in Egypt if that's what you brought us out here to do. And they complain and God hears these complaints and punishes the people forces them to wander in the desert for 40 years. One year for each day they spent in the promised land. God sends them out all because they feared what they didn't 
No. That's true for all of us. Right? We make up these stories about our neighbors. We, we, we do all these things simply because we fear what we don't know. But in fact, what we find is that fear is not the life God would have for us. In fact, God has something much better planned for us. What we read throughout the Bible is this plan that God has. And we read about this plan a little bit whenever angels come down to the people. Throughout the Bible, we, we see these angels, these, these messengers of God coming down to meet the people, coming down to meet mortals, and they would bring with them God's plan. We read a little bit about it in, in the Gospel of Luke when uh, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. In fact, every time we read of an angel coming down, every time a messenger of God comes to the people, one of the first words they say is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why do they say this? Well, one reason might be because it's kind of scary when an angel comes. Right? Most scholars think that Mary was about 13 or 14 years old, and she was going to hear these words that she would bear the Christ child, that she would bear the one who would be fully human and fully God. She was going to receive some big news, and that might be a little scary. And to top it all off, an angel came to her, right? This messenger of God came to her, and one of the first words he says is, do not be afraid. This moment is one you should not fear. That might be kind of a scary event. But I think another reason the angel says it is because the angel is a messenger of God. The angel is one who, who brings upon the kingdom of God. The, the angel is one who, who brings a message from the divine that God has a plan for your life, and that plan is that you would not fear. That plan is that you would not fear. That you could live your life knowing that God created you. That you are a loved creation of God's. That in fact God has a plan for your life, and in that plan you do not need to fear because God has a plan. We read these words in, uh, in the writing of 1 Peter. Now, who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated, but in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Something that the writer says is do not fear what they fear. That you are called to be different. That you are not simply called to just to, to be afraid as the world is afraid. right? But you are called to have hope. And other people, the writer says, are going to ask about that hope. They're going to notice something is different about you and, and they're going to ask, why do you have this hope? Why do you act differently? Right? You might experience this when you try to get to know your neighbors. And then they're going to ask you why, and you might even tell them, because I have a Savior who died for me, who, who loves me, and I might even share them with you. In fact, you might even just say that you have a community here who, who loves you, who supports you, who would do anything for you, and, and that you would hope they would experience the love of that community as well. That, that you have hope. Others will ask about it. And so the writer says, be ready to explain that hope. 
The writer of 1 John says it in this way. He says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. Friends, there is no fear in love. Jesus tells us to follow the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Friends, if we love our neighbor, we do not fear them. Let me say again, if we love our neighbor, we do not fear them. These are harder words than any, I think, to live out because it would be much easier to seclude ourselves in our homes. It would be much easier to live our lives and and, and just to put these blinders on and and go about our day-to-day and not invite anybody else into that life. It would be easy to wake up early in the morning, get the kids ready, send them off to school, get in the car, drive to work, drive back home, and and, and stay within these walls. Our lives are cleaner, our lives are organized, they can be this way, but what God calls us to is something better. It's to invite others into that life. It's to invite those who live around you to be in community that we might love them and not Fear them. Because fear is not God's plan for your life. In fact, what we read later on in the book of Joshua, when, when the Israelites have wandered in the desert for 40 years, they've served their punishment for, for listening to those spies who lied to them. When they, when they wander in the desert for 40 years, they come back to the promised land. And what do they do? But they send spies in again that they might seek out the land and they would see how it has changed in these last 40 years. And when the spies get out into the land, they meet a woman named Rahab. And Rahab finds out that these people are the Hebrew people, that these are the Israelites, that God has promised this land to him. And she says these words to the people. I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that dread of you has fallen on all of us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan to uh, Sihon and Og when, when you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts were melted and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. That what did the spies find after after wandering in the desert for 40 years, after, after having heard that there were giants in this land, that they should fear the people of Canaan, that what did they find that in fact Rahab told them that we feared you? We were afraid of you. We had heard legends of how God dried up the Red Sea before you. We have heard what you did to the kings. We have heard the plagues. We have heard how you are God's chosen and we feared you. That Caleb was right. That God had promised this land to you. And in fact, they feared them. So I ask you, what do your neighbors fear about you? We've talked a lot about how we fear our neighbors. right? But what do you think their perception is of you? 
Maybe they see you drive in and out every day and they might think that you're secluded, right? That maybe you're quiet or, or maybe you make too much noise or, 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 or whatever it is, maybe they fear that part of you. But then maybe they find out that you're a Christian. Maybe they see a sticker on the back of your car or a sign in the front yard or whatever it is, maybe they find out that you're a Christian. And then they start to fear that you're judgmental, that you're hypocritical, that as much as you talk about it, maybe you really don't care for anybody else but yourselves, that our neighbors have a great deal to fear about us. And what are we doing to change that perception? What are we doing to show them that we bear the love of Christ? And that we are called to share that to our neighbors. I want to invite you to do something uh, real quick. If you would, uh, pull out your phone and and pull up a picture of your family. Uh, Not your immediate family, not like your children or or your spouse, but but like your distant family, right? Or like your your sisters or your brother or your your cousin or your parents. Uh, If you can, just pull out something. Maybe even have like a picture in your wallet if you still do that or... Whatever it is, pull out a picture. Go ahead, pull out your phone and, and find a picture uh, of your family. Maybe it's on Facebook or maybe it's saved in your photos. And, and Whatever it is, if you can, find a picture of your family. I want to show you a picture of mine. Uh, this is all of us at Easter, uh, just this last April. Um, you can see Melissa and I there in the middle. And uh, my sister Jennifer is there in, in, on the right side of the picture with her husband Ryan and my other sister Shelby is in the pink with her husband Caleb, and those are all my nieces and nephews all around us, and uh, this was all of us at Easter. If you have your picture of your family, I want you to look at them for just a second, and, and maybe they, they live here around Edmond in a different neighborhood, or maybe they live in a different city, or a different state, or, or maybe they even live in a different country. I want you to think about them for, for just a second. What kind of neighborhood do they live in? What kind of lives do they lead? Do they know Jesus Christ? Do they have a Christian faith? What kind of neighbors would you hope for them? Would you hope for neighbors that would love them? as you love them, that would care for them, that would look out for them, that might even invite them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? What kind of neighbors would you hope for your family? I would invite you to be that neighbor where you are. To love someone else's brother or sister, parent or cousin, I would invite you to love that neighbor. That you would bear the hope of Jesus Christ.